0: Out there Uh Gene Robinson are you on yes I'm here Patrick okay well <clears throat> we decided to mix things up a little bit instead of um, let's say doing this uh, recording it and uh, letting people listen to it later uh, Gary kind of prompted me to uh, go ahead and do it live so we're going to do it live <laughs> and uh, we're flying by the seat of our pants and we'll have to see what happens. We're we're starting out, this is the inaugural podcast here and um, basically uh, S.U.S. News is trying to come up with new vehicles to give people more information about unmanned aircraft systems, unmanned technologies, um, what people can do with them in different uses and uh, we wanted to get some experts in here to uh, give people some uh, insight on these subjects. And our first guest is uh, Mr. Gene Robinson from uh, RP Search Services. And uh, we're going to talk to him. I'd I'd consider Gene to be an expert in the uh, application of uh, unmanned aircraft systems in SAR. He's been doing it for several years. Uh, we're also announcing here that uh, Gene has a, a book coming out, and it's called First to Deploy, Unmanned Aircraft Use for Search and Rescue Law Enforcement. I've seen an advanced copy of this book and and I'm gonna tell you that I'm I'm impressed with uh what what, what I've seen so far. I, I think that this thing really uh could become the manual for uh, law enforcement and SAR uh in the future here. So I thought we'd bring that to the uh our our audience. And uh Gene, maybe you maybe you could tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Is that possible? Sure, Patrick.
1: Um, well, my background is in aviation. My uh, education is in aviation. I went to college and got my my degree and pilot's license uh, with uh, aspirations to be a commercial pilot. Uh, unfortunately, Mother Nature let me down on that, and I was uh, born with eyes that uh, had to have correction, and it was very difficult to get a job. But uh, I have been flying something either by the seat of my pants or standing on the ground since that time uh was big into radio control, obviously remote control, and, and uh, designed and built my own aircraft for years. Uh, became a computer analyst and a computer programmer and uh, did that for a very long time. And then uh, in 2000, I started getting back to my aviation roots and uh, had a little bit of a convalescence that I had to deal with, so I started reading up on uh, different aircraft designs. and and started designing my own aircraft uh, in in the the hopes of getting into the autonomous aircraft field. So that's uh that kind of brings you very quickly up to to speed where
0: it kind of started for us. Well, and and to be fair to the the audience, I mean I know Gene uh geez, it's probably like 8 years now. Um Gene is also a board member of the RCAPA the remote control aerial photography association and uh, one of the founding members of that and uh, I came on board I think we shared kind of the, the same vision for that of promoting this technology for a myriad of different uses and uh, you know the the plucky kids with the gleam in their eye and we're out there Trying to use this technology and build businesses and and do everything else, and uh, of course, you know we're all going along. Um, and the FAA comes in and says, "Oh, you know, uh, wait a minute, <laughs> you guys, you guys have actually found a profitable niche or, or something a uh, positive use for this." Well, we we can't have that and uh we had the uh the decree of uh, February 13, 2007. And of course, I'm being a little facetious, but uh for uh, those of us that were already up and running, um that's kind of what it felt like. Would you agree with that, Gene, uh, or what was your perspective
1: on the uh, February
0: 13, 2007 edict?
1: I would I would have to agree with you completely on that. We had Just completed uh, a show circuit with uh, the Department of Homeland Security, and uh, we were very well-received. Every show we went to, we were very well-received by both law enforcement and fire individuals. We had several aircraft out there. We had several systems that we had used. We uh, even introduced some mast systems, photography systems, that were very well-received. And just about uh, every chief and and agency we spoke with said that we have to have one of these. This is going to be an essential tool, especially when we showed them examples of some of the work that we had done since 2004 up to that that time. And I walked away from a December show with a stack of cards of people that were ready to order aircraft and, and to move forward into using RPAs or unmanned aircraft for their specific discipline. And as we went into January and we began to contact these people, again getting more positive results, uh, the FAA's edict of February 13th immediately cut off all inquiries and all proposals for RPAs or unmanned aircraft with the, uh, the... the comment that we really need to wait to see what the FAA is going to do. And I know you remember when we were working with our CAPA back then and and trying to promote self-certification and working with the fledgling UAPO at the time that the members there said, you guys don't worry about it, six, eight months top,
0: we'll we'll have this worked out and you guys will be flying. I'm sure you remember that, Patrick. Well, you know, that is funny that you bring that up. And it's another idea for a show. I definitely think we should have the uh, skeletons in the closet show, R-Kappa, in the early days. Because, you know, I remember 2006, I had someone from the UAPO tell me, ah, don't worry about it, 60, 90 days tops. And I was like, uh, oh, well, that's good news, because uh, mom and pop's not going to be able to hold out for much longer than that. And, uh, you know, uh, people were falling by the wayside, and there's not a lot of the uh, the old guard left. And, uh, I mean, if, if if you remember, I mean, I remember a lot of people, geez, we had, uh, even in the early days, fifteen, sixteen mm-hmm. hundred 1,600 members, people that were out there flying. And I don't think that they're not flying. I still think that uh, a lot of these thousands of people are out there flying every day um that the FAA just kind of pretends that it just doesn't happen but that is a uh, that's a that's maybe that's the next show we could get uh, the board members from the RCAP on here and and uh, go down memory lane <laughs> today it will be a talk, very long show yeah we might have to schedule a couple of hours for that one but uh you know I want to kind of stay on target here with um with the book like i said um you know i i got to see the um the forward copy of that and and it was i was very impressed um you know it was it was uh, you, you got a lot of good information in there and uh i'm i'm going to wish all the success for that but i want to talk about that okay with the book you know may, maybe you could tell the audience what what do you hope to accomplish and 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 it's kind of a two-parter. And, and why have you decided to, to put it out now?
1: Well, I guess it goes back more to our charter and and what we intended to go for in the market. We never intended to go with DOD. We never wanted to enter that field because there were too many very large players there. We always wanted to go to the civilian market, and our audience was search and rescue, law enforcement, and first responders because it was easy to get the technology that would be useful to them in the air. And we had done that with the flying wing. We had uh, settled on the flying wing as our design, and it ended up being a very rugged design. So we started pushing forward into those areas and assisting them on a basically a free basis to show them, to educate them, what they could do with a simple system, a very elegant, very well put together system. And as we started doing that, we got called more and more for search and rescue or search and recovery or law enforcement support. We took our aircraft into the field, and we flew them in every condition that you could conceive, in winds that people would just sit in their cars and not get out because it was so windy. Uh, and firestorms, and uh, uh, rain. We even flew in a hurricane uh, the, just a couple of years ago. So this, we started gathering this, this database of knowledge, and there has been so much noise come out because there are so many different people that are saying that their system is the best, it, it does so many wonderful things. It will do this. It'll do that, and it's based more on theoretical rather than practical application. Right. Now right. we know we know for a fact that that uh, we were probably the first televised use of a UA on a search and recovery back in 2005 in uh, Irwin County, Georgia. It was on Court TV. So that gives us a bit of a legacy in that, that we can say that's ground zero for us as, as gathering the experience. And we have flown many, many times since then. I can't tell you how many missions we've flown. But to quell some of this noise, to, to actually put this this the ability of a small UA into perspective, it became very apparent to me that a book – would be something that would be useful to the technology operator, the technology director of a department, someone who is interested in getting into unmanned aircraft and not getting the $100,000, $250,000 price tag for a piece of equipment that may or may not do what they're looking for it to do. So the book was as much a part of the education process as our practical application of going out and showing law enforcement how it works. So that's what we hope to accomplish with the book right now. We want to get that information out. We want to to show what a small unmanned aircraft can do in different environments, under different conditions, the data it can produce, because when you get right down to it, it is just a data collection platform. Right. That's what you're doing. You're given the uh, the incident command or the, uh, the 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 search coordinator more data to work with and as we know more data you get the better decisions you can make and that's where the small UA can really shine
0: right well I think you're hitting on some good points and very timely too because uh, you know I contend um, I mean. I know you wanted to, to do the civilian stuff, and I did, too. I just kind of wanted to go about my business, but uh, I've, I've, you know, kind of taken the military path, which is, uh, I'm a little bit of an anomaly there, that I came out of the commercial side. People look at me like I've, I'm crazy, because uh, I'm probably one of the, the, the few, but, um, you know, you, you're really hitting on something good there, and, and it's kind of what I call the snake oil salesman, you know, and... and and. Um, I actually yeah. have an article coming out in the June issue of Unmanned Systems about uh, police and law enforcement, first responders buying these and really looking out. Beware the snake oil salesman, you know. And I think that you've really hit on that point. And, and I really believe that these first responders that are that are ta- thinking about adding this to their department really need to get educated. So I, I think the timing is perfect on the book because uh, people are. I mean. The bottom line are, are the wrong decisions could really uh, have an adverse effect on their department. So I, I, I do think it's very timely. I, I think that uh, that's great, and I think you have a wealth of information to to share.
1: Um,
0: all in the right time, you know. I want and I want to get into a little bit more um, uh, about these these searches that you've done, and and I know you've done a bunch of them. And the other thing I want to do too is. Uh, if you'd like to give people your your website address, you want to go ahead and do that.
1: Sure, we're at uh, we have two websites actually. The uh, the nonprofit five hundred one c three charity organization that we do most of our flying out of is at www.rpsearchservices.org. r p search services dot org. And then, uh, if you want to see a little bit about the aircraft we use, our website is Okay. And uh, that will give you a little bit of background on
0: both the
1: aircraft that we're using and some of the searches
0: that we've done as well. All right. And if, you know, for some reason um, you didn't catch all that, just email us over at uh, SUAS News, and uh, we can provide you with a link to either or or both of those. Um, Okay. Well, you know, surprisingly, we're already halfway through the episode. Happens. Time flies when you're having fun. And um, so I kind of want to move on, but I, I want to talk about you know the, some of the searches and you know uh, some of your impressions of that and feelings and and, and whatnot. So maybe maybe you could kind of speak to that a little bit.
1: Sure. Um, well, to date, we have directly credited to the unmanned aircraft, we we have ten recoveries. We have provided closure for for ten families who have lost loved ones. Uh, Most recently was a a a two-and-a-half year old uh, just last month that we flew on that they had been searching for for four days. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, even though the, the book is called First to Deploy, at this point, we are typically the last to deploy because they end up taking as many of the resources and assets that they can out to search initially, and when they exhaust those those resources, they call us in, and we fly and uh, we provide them the data that they need, and and sure enough, we we locate them, and that's that's been kind of the the, the SOP here for a while, and we're trying to change that. And uh, maybe I'm being optimistic when I say first to deploy, but I do believe that uh, unmanned aircraft will become the first tool that is pulled out of the toolkit in many, many cases for
0: SAR and for law enforcement. Well, and, and uh, I just wanted to ask one other thing on that note. Do you think that that has to do with um, some of the restrictions put out by the FAA, or is it just that people um, just don't understand what the tech, the technology, or what? why do you think that is?
1: I believe, and, and I used to say for the longest time, you know the book Fear of Flying? Mm-hmm. I believe I believe that uh, a lot of people out there that were just looking at the technology had that basic primal fear of flying. Oh, it's so complicated. Oh, you know we can't. There's no way to incorporate it. We can't. We don't know what to do with the data. And I think it was just a lack of education for the most part.
0: <clears throat>
1: we are now getting to the point where we are called. As a matter of fact, just before. Uh, we called in on this podcast. I was I was c- notified to to go assist in a search in Mississippi. So we are getting that education process done, and we are starting to be called sooner. And uh, sure that there is there are plenty of folks out there that know what the restrictions are. There are some of them that that care very much about being on the up and up with the Fed and making sure everything is is. Uh, copacetic there sure. however there are just as many agencies out there that say "Damn the torpedoes we need those images and we need them now go get them right well, and
0: we try to do that kind of kind of goes with uh, the application usually time is of the essence um you know things along, uh, like that um that's pretty interesting. You know, the the other thing I, I kind of wanted to talk about, and you're you're hitting on that, is kind of educating people. And I'm sure um, over the past years, you've learned a lot yourself, and you've incorporated uh, other technologies and uh, whatnot into into your work. And maybe you could uh, maybe you could kind of elaborate on some of those combined technologies, and also. Um, maybe the SOPs or what 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 you kind of learned has worked uh, both technology and let's say application
1: Sure One thing I've got to say is we're very lucky in that uh, several years ago we signed a memo of understanding or an agreement with San Diego State University in California and they are technology partners with us hmm. uh, Because of them we have gained access to a suite of sensors and really that's what an unmanned aircraft is about is to fly a sensor of some sort uh, the sensor may be just a digital camera uh, it may be a, a thermal imager like a FLIR or a microbolometer. and now it's getting to where you can now fly a multi-spectral imager which is becoming very much in demand and all of those things require computer technology, obviously. Mm. There is more and more software that's coming out that processes images. The more that you can pull from the images, the more data that you can collect quickly from the images, gives you a a, a very powerful tool to work with. For example, we use just a plain old digital camera. We started out with the the little VGA's moved up to 3 megapixel, 5 megapixel and now we're up to 16 megapixel and pushing 20 that we can fly easily. Right. And we use the standard issue Mark 1 eyeball to look at them.
0: <laughs> that we takes a little very bit. Of, good. And that takes a little bit of uh experience, right? I mean there's a process to um yeah. analyzing that uh that, that those those pictures and images correct.
1: Yes, it is, and and we have come up with uh, w- with several very practical examples of how to do that, what it takes to get it done, and it you essentially look for things that don't belong in a picture, which is kind of a different mindset to get into. Mm-hmm. On the software side, there there are softwares that are starting to come out now where you can tell it. I'm, for example. You have a person that's lost in the woods or lost in an area. What does a person typically wear when they go hiking? They'll wear blue jeans or some brightly colored object. So you can tell the software, go out and scan all these images, pull anything that you see that's blue out of these pictures and tell me about it. Interesting. And it will scan through hundreds of pictures, and it will pop up. I've Found five pictures that have blue objects in them. Would you like to see them?
0: Hmm. So I'm, I'm sure that's that, that's a
1: uh, <laughs> a
0: handy tool to have. And, it is uh, handy. It is expensive at
1: this point, but uh, they're getting cheaper, and we're getting people who are you know working with us to to try to reduce that cost on that that piece of software. Right, and then right. of course you can take off the shelf software, Photoshop. Mm-hmm. is a is a great example. And you take it and you apply it a different way, and you can bring out some of those colors. You can accentuate those colors. You can do gamma shifts, and it's very easy to do right there on your PC. Once you get that macro built or you know which plug-in to use, you can bring the images up and scan them yourself and do it very quickly. Mm-hmm. So wow. it doesn't have to be a $50,000 software package.
0: Hmm.
1: It could be a little bit of training
0: and Photoshop. Interesting. Well, I, I really like how you've kind of, uh, you know, uh, used what was available. I guess you had to. It's kind of, um, you know, I look at these expensive systems in and, and that, let's say, are more geared towards the military or whatever. Um, I work with some of those. And, uh, you know, when, when people... Tell me what they cost, or I'm I'm talking to manufacturers, and they say, oh, well, you know, here are the capabilities, and, you know, you're getting 10 frames per second, yada, 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 and I, I kind of, I'm, I'm a little taken aback, and I'm like, wow, $120,000 for this? And, again, I don't, you know, I don't see that 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 training there or, you know, the down in the, the grassroots or out in the weeds like you're talking about where you've really had to kind of uh, use what you had and really, uh, you know, wring 100% out of it. You know, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with that.
1: Yeah, it's just a practical application. You have to look at the problem and see if you can come up with a solution. And mm-hmm. that's what we have tried to do when we apply our unmanned aircraft to these three disciplines, and it's been very effective. And we know that there are more expensive alternatives out there, but there are many departments that uh, that don't have a half a million dollar budget, but they'd still benefit greatly from having the data collected from a UA.
0: Right, I would agree with that, and I also think you know, um, you know, there, there hasn't been a real solid. Um, let's say this is what's going to come out, and 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 that uh, the the as Far that we've been waiting for years, um, or these are what the regs are going to look like, and I, and you know I, again I'm going to I'm going to caution from my own knowledge I'm going to caution these departments and municipalities uh, not to buy something that's you know six figures jump all in get all the training spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and then realize that uh uh-oh you know we may have gotten the uh, the wrong system for the application and uh, you know i mean i you can tell me i mean are are you getting uh, more calls from from uh, police departments and municipalities questioning you about uh, the technology the regs and and how this might work in their uh, geographic specific location
1: as a matter of fact, we have, but uh, it's been more along the lines of the regs. As you know, the appropriations bill just passed in March, hmm. and uh, in there it states that uh, law enforcement, fire, and first responders are to be allowed in the air within 90 days of passage, using hmm. a two-kilogram aircraft, 4.4 pounds. Now,
0: isn't that, not to interrupt you, but isn't that isn't that isn't that this month? Wouldn't that be? Isn't it the, the 60 days or 90 days coming up this month, or am I got the math wrong? Well, you, you are correct.
1: That would be the end of this month. And uh, there are I, I'm sure you've seen that there are already police departments that uh, have purchased UAs and can't use them hmm. because they still haven't complied with the COA process that is required by the FAA, even if you are a bona fide public entity.
0: Mm. So they still
1: must go through the COA process before they can even think about flying in their county.
0: Right. Well, and I think that, that uh, the mandate was talking about there was some expedited thing because, uh, you know, what's a what's a COA take to get these days? Is it still out six <laughs> months, nine months, a year?
1: The last one we got was eight months.
0: <laughs> hard, to, hard to go out and... Uh, first respond on an eight-month uh, lead time. Um, well, we, we are coming up on the uh, two-minute warning here. Um, really, it's a, the show has been really informative, Gina. I, I think you had a lot of good insight, and I would um, – I I would uh, I would suggest that people that are thinking about um, purchasing this technology for their municipality or uh, agency should probably call you. So again, let's can we get the website one more time? Sure, it's uh,
1: www.rpflightsystems.com dot com or www.rpsearchservices,
0: All one word
1: dot .org, org
0: all right that's good and uh, when do you think the book is due out we are going to shoot for a June
1: uh a June delivery on that one and uh, it looks good so far we're in the final edits and uh, adding some images and it will be uh, an e-book and available in several different formats I'm sure
0: okay Well, that sounds good. Um, I'm I'm sure we're going to do a a story and a review on the suasnews.com website. A little final bit of housekeeping here. Um, I don't know how often we'll do these podcasts. If you have ideas um, or subjects that maybe you would like to hear more on, you can um, email me, Patrick, at suasnews.com, Patrick, at suasnews.com and uh, we will try and get those on the air. The other thing, uh, if you want to advertise your business and you think that this might be a vehicle for you, again, email me, and we can talk about that. Send you out a um, a rate card or a media planner, and we'll go from there. And that about wraps up the uh, first episode or first podcast uh, for the SUAS News. Gene Robinson, thanks again. Good luck with the book, buddy. Um, I know people get a lot of good information out of this, and uh, I wish you all the success with that. And I and I hope that you've hung in there for all these years that uh, <laughs> you're still around when the S the SBAR comes out and you're able to make a living. That
1: would work for me, and I appreciate you having me on, Patrick.
0: Hey, not a problem. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Goodbye. Bye-bye. And uh, that's, uh, that's the end of that one. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time.